My name's Tina Waldrum. I'm the host of this podcast. This show is all about giving you, the listener, actionable insights to share your faith. I interview church leaders and congregation members alike to gain some understanding that both you and I can implement to share Jesus. Every week I work hard to locate and interview someone who can share their experience. Can you do me a favour? Would you mind sharing today's episode with one or two people that you know? One or two people that would be encouraged, that would be helped by today's content. Just copy the link and send it on via text or email. I'd love to see more people encouraged to share their faith. Now let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to the Win Win Evangelism Podcast. My name's Tina Waldrum. Today I'm speaking with Carl Fays on the topic of Faith Runs Deep and how to share that. Welcome to you, Carl. Hey, it's great to be with you, Tina. Always good to chat to you. Well, many of you may know Carl. Carl heads up Olive Tree Media in Australia and they produce the most incredible resource. In fact, I would say the best resource in Australia. I'm a little biased. The video production, everything, it is just outstanding. And there is a new resource, Faith Runs Deep. And I love the fact that faith does run deep in Australia. And what are the stories and how can we even share those stories with people around us that don't know Christ? So tell us about the power of stories, Carl. One of the background ideas to to developing Faith Runs Deep about telling the stories of faith within our nation. But as we've as we've started to do that, I've actually recognised that stories are really important. And and some work and writing by Rod Dreyer has helped in this. If I can just say really quickly, Rod Dreyer looks at what happened in Poland. So what happened in Poland when the Nazis uh, took Poland over is that they not only they didn't want to just come over and politically dominate Poland. They wanted to stop what it meant to be Polish, Dreyer writes. And he said what they tried to do was to take away their religion and take away their stories. And what he talks about is that stories actually are not just a way we entertain each other and we get together with, as a family. The stories that we tell actually carry values. And those stories create a narrative and that narrative creates a culture. If I asked you, Tina, and even people listening, think about this. What are the stories they're telling about the Australian church right now? Well, we've failed children, we've failed the Indigenous, we've failed the vulnerable, and we're failing as an institution. That's the stories. And the problem with that is it's creating a narrative which could go on and create a, a culture. And what Rod Dreyer said that people in Poland had to do, and I love this phrase, it's just stuck in my mind, Tina, we have to create fortresses of memory. Think about that, fortresses of memory. Because if we don't create it, people will wipe it out. And they'll actually try and take away our stories, as it were. The Indigenous people of this nation are dealing with the same issue in a different area. So one way of seeing Faith Runs Deep is this is a fortress of memory so that we can tell great stories of faith and that we can actually help speak into our culture, not just philosophically, but we can actually do it from story. And and it's not they're not hard to find. Uh, you, you know, people are saying, how do you find these stories? It's a bit like the bigger question, Tina, was which ones do we tell? Because there's so much stuff we haven't told. Yeah, absolutely. And I love the series. I've got the book, the DVD, got the whole lot. I've even got the key ring, got it all. <laughs> Good on you. <laughs> I was amazed at the stories that you have unearthed using your terminology in our nation and just showing how much faith, the Christian faith, has impacted 
people in our nation and how those people today are impacting the nation. But the funniest and the biggest thing to start off with for me was the good old Holden Ute or the Ute, not the Holden Ute, <laughs> the Ute, the car, which is the lynch point of the whole series. I love it. How did the Ute even happen? There's such a great faith story behind that. In the early 20th century, there was a lady from Gippsland that wrote to the Ford Motor Company and she wrote to the Ford Motor Company and she said, can you please produce a car that I can drive to church on a Sunday and not get wet and my husband can take his pigs to market on Monday in the back of the car? So a guy called Lou Brandt from the Ford Motor Company cut the back off a, uh, a Ford coupe, it reinforced the chassis, put a tray on the back, and hence the first ute. Now, it was a Ford, but it's this fabulous story of the connection between business and faith and church. And that's that's there's the story of even the ute, which we uh, drive around the country collecting and unearthing these stories of faith. And you know what? I'm going to use that even this weekend. I've got lots of friends around me that don't know Jesus. I'm going to raise that story like, hey, I found out the most incredible story about the youth in Australia as a bit of a conversation starter. I mean, some of these stories you've got are, are just gold for yeah. anybody trying to, you know, connect the faith to those people. Yeah, what an amazing one. How was it driving the ute, by the way? So it's a very cool-looking ute. For those who haven't seen it, it's a 2013 VF SSV 6-litre Holden ute, 6-speed six six, uh, manual. My other car that I, I, I drive all the time is a Mini Cooper. And so people say to me, uh, what's the difference between driving the two? And I'm like, well, the Mini Cooper's faster, but the ute has much more gravitas. <laughs> and look, it's breaking down the image, Tina. And the whole idea is why, why drive a ute around the country? Well, it just breaks down the image of what do people think when they see faith, when they think about church, when they think about Christianity, or if I could be so bold, Christian media. So it sort of breaks that down. The ute becomes a bit of a link point, it becomes a conversation piece and it becomes a character in its own right. We actually did a whole bunch of interviews in the Ute with the GoPro. That was a lot of fun as well. So it's it's a pleasure to drive. It's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely amazing. I laughed so hard just, you know, following, I was following around on a on a Facebook group that you guys had going and seeing what was going on. Just incredible, the stories. Let's talk about some of the political stories, you know, how uh, people have been shaped by faith in that political arena and how impactful that is today as a nation. When we started this series, I thought we, we, we do want to do politics because it's a really p important part of who we are. And I, I kind of started thinking, oh, maybe the right side, the conservative side, the liberal side will be easy to find some people. And I was a bit almost nervous about, what well, could we find somebody in the Labor Party and the Labor uh, ranks? Tina, how wrong was I? Like, I was so wrong. It was just, that's just a statement of ignorance. If you go back to the earliest years of the Labor movement around the unions, which create, then created the Labor Party, some of the greats of, of that movement were actually Protestant evangelical Christians. In fact, there's a, Roy Williams said, um, take these three people, W.G. Spence, who started the, the Miners' Union, the Shearers' Union, and the AWU, Second name, James McGowan, first Labor Premier of New South Wales. Third, Andrew Fisher, Labor Prime Minister of Australia on three occasions, all of them coming out of the union movement. He said, what do those three men have in common? Before they went into politics, they were the Sunday school superintendents of their churches, all three. And what you find is that the whole Labor movement in the earliest years 
was dominated, and that's probably a stronger word, clearly led in many spaces by people who were evangelical Christians who loved Jesus and wanted to serve mostly the men, but the men within their community. And as Stephen Shavora said, if you're thinking about this from a logical point of view, if you had a group of guys who were in a, a union and you wanted someone who was your leader and your spokesman, well, what would you want? Well, you'd want somebody who could read. You'd want someone with some education. You would want somebody who could speak publicly. And guess where most of them came from? The church, the evangelical church. And, and that really didn't change until after the Second World War. Then you had the whole Marxism and, you, and then the Labor Party and the unions started to be a little bit more dominated by sort of Marxist, Leninist, you know, philosophical background. And then the church backed off from that. But before that, in its formative years, AWU was started by a Bible-believing, teetotalist, Sabbath-observing, Presbyterian. Who would have thought? Amazing. I mean, the stories are incredible. I've been sitting down with my cup of tea. I'm an English breakfast tea drinker, Carl, and Good. I've been sitting down reading through the book. Uh, just I smell books. It's terrible. I love them so much that I'm like, mm, I'm trying to inhale it. It's a beautiful <laughs> book and I love reading those stories because, again, you know, what I wanted to do with this episode was talk about some of these but then realise the potential of how that myself – and us as Christian believers can actually be sharing these stories with the world around us, just raising them. They're, they're just beautiful uh, stories and great content to get conversations going. So there, there's so many in that political space, and you did so well to cover cover the whole spectrum, which we all appreciate. So thank you. Yep. What about sports, Carl? I mean, there's some amazing stories that you unearthed in terms of sports in Australia and the Christian influence. Tell us a little bit about those ones. Well, one of the great stories is actually, so Jane, my wife, is the producer of Faith Runs Deep and She's the game changer. She's the creative director of, of uh, Olive Tree Media. I keep telling people the brains of the outfit. And, uh, and, and one of the stories we tell is actually her great-grandfather. So Jane's great-grandfather was a guy called Ned Trickett. Now, why is he important in the sports area? Ned Trickett was Australia's first sporting world champion of any sport ever. And Ned Trickett went to, to London in 1876 and on the Thames from the Putney to Mortlake course, uh, won the world championship of sculling, single skulls on the Thames. And uh, just the most remarkable story. And But the, the interesting thing is that Jane knew that story uh, from when she grew up. But um, it wasn't until about oh, the last 10 years that she actually did some research in the Mitchell Library and actually found out a bit more about Ned Trickett's story. So he came back to Australia. He was a rock star. I mean, everybody knew him. 30,000 people met him at, uh, at Circular Quay, which would have been a huge percentage of the population of Sydney at that time. Uh, his face was up on lampposts everywhere. After he finished uh, professional or, or competitive sculling, he went up to Rockhampton and started a business that went broke, came back to Sydney. So he comes back to Sydney. He's broke. He's got nine children, can't find a job. That's bad for anybody, Tina. But imagine you've gone from being the best known person in the colony, like bar none, to being broke on the streets. And he was walking through the streets of Sydney and he saw a small crowd. And he went over to the crowd and started to listen and discovered that there was a barrister who was speaking. The barrister's name was E.P. Field. And E.P. Field was an open air preacher, speaker. 
And uh, he listened to the gospel over a couple of nights and then he got invited. He, he spoke to E.P. Field. He invited him back to his rooms. And uh, in the middle of that, he uh, came to faith and he spent the rest of his life following Jesus as a Salvation Army officer. And it's just the most incredible story of faith. So here's Australia's first ever sporting world champion in any sport who comes to faith through desperate times and then serves Jesus for the rest of his life. And then you've got other wonderful stories. Um, that are, that are both wonderful and awful, Tina. You know, stories where uh, people who were successful in sport, like Peter Gibbs, an Indigenous young man who at 15, even though he came from the back of nowhere behind 80 kilometres west of Burke, ended up at 15 on the Australian schoolboys rugby league team, then went to play under Artie Beetson for the eastern suburbs of Roosters football team, um, but broke his arm and then ended up going home because he lost his contract because of the injuries. And then was just desperate, a lot like Ned Trickett, totally desperate, not sure what his future would be. And in a quite a, I won't go into the details, in a quite a remarkable way, came to faith. We have Tim Kelly, who's a bull rider, Tina. So we interview a bull rider. He won the, the Calgary Stampede, which is the biggest bull riding uh, saddle bronc championships in the world, won the, won the under-23 saddle bronc world championship. Every event he would win, but he would just spend all his time drinking. And then there was an uh, international event where there were uh, American bull riders came to Australia. He saw them not going to the pub, but they're going off to a, some meeting. And he's like, I don't know what these guys have got, but I'm going to find out what they've got. And when he goes there, they discovers that they're Christians and they listen to a bikey give his testimony. And he came to faith and been serving God ever since. Uh, Eloise Wellings, who's just been running. In fact, she ran. Um, she was the one who gave the caffeine gel to the winner of the the marathon gold medal in in um, in Birmingham in the Commonwealth Games. And uh, Eloise Wellings talks about her coming to faith uh, as a runner and uh, how she serves Jesus in that area. So all these different areas, Tina, and different ages of people. We call that episode that the other religion, which is certainly the case within Australia. And within that other religion, there's plenty of people who have found faith. Yeah, it certainly is sport, the other religion in our country. Mm. Carl, how on earth, I just want to know before I ask you another question of something else I noticed with your interviews how did you find all of these people? Like, how long does it take you? I've got to find people every week for the podcast, and I'm thinking you've unearthed the most extraordinary interviews. How do you find them all? I mean, it's, it's a combination, Tina. It's, I mean, one of the ways I found, like Tim Kelly, the bull rider. So I, um, we, we put out on Facebook that we're creating this series, and my mate Duncan Brown, who's actually on the series as well, he, he emails me and said, oh, look, if you need any help, you know, with regional connections, just let me know. And I go back to him and said, hey, hey Duncan, do you know a bull rider? <laughs> Thinking he'd say, nah, I can't help. He's like, oh, yeah, of course I do, Jim Kelly. Uh, so it's like that. There, there are connections that I have. They're, they're just ministry connections. Like Peter Gibbs' story is I'm on the, the team that puts on the Sydney Prayer Breakfast each year. And uh, and working with one of the guys there who said, oh, I reckon this story is one worth pursuing, Carl. So there's all of that sort of thing. We read as broadly as we can. Now, there's not that many books in this area, but books like uh, Meredith Lake, who's not on the series, but her book, The Bible in Australia, uh, Roy Williams's book, um, Post God Nation? Question mark. Then you've got people like Stuart Piggin and Robert Lidner, who've written two big tomes in this area. Uh, Peter Bolt has written books about... Um, about not only Lachlan Macquarie, which 
John Harris has done as well, but also about people um, like William Cowper, who's the first pastor that ever came to Australia. So it's all of that. And then you just keep your ear to the ground, Tina. You, you know what it's like. You're kind of following, oh, there's an idea. That might work. And it's it's it, that whole process. And, um, and, and then the other thing is what happens, the worst bit, Tina, this is the bad news, is you release the series and people watch it and go, oh, you really should have talked to so-and-so. And I'm like, well, it's a bit late now. So there's uh, all these people talking to Jane actually saying, are you doing another one? Um, because we could do this Faith Runs uh, Deep Part 2 um, or Faith Runs Deeper or Faith Keeps Running or <laughs> <laughs> whatever the sequel's called. But there's great stories out there. And to, uh, look, Let me just say, like I, I spoke in Brisbane just the other day and I was talking about that whole thing we started with, about stories, how stories matter and, and how we should tell our own stories. And a guy talked to me about two days later because I was at another event. This guy was at this other event. And he said, Carl, you know, I'm listening to you talk about stories. And I'm thinking, my dad used to tell stories about my grandparents, but I'm a bit vague on it, you know. So he's on his way home in the car and he's ringing his dad. And he says, Dad, tell me about my grandparents. His grandparents, you know, were great people of faith who stepped out of what they were doing into ministry and missionary work, giving themselves to the kingdom of God. And they're just inspiring stories. So the the interesting thing is, yes, they're in this series, but they're in they're all around us, Tina. They they surround us everywhere, and uh, we just got to find them, tell them, record them, fortresses of memory. Yeah, incredible, and I love that terminology. Yeah, it is inspiring, and it is like that. It's connections that we know, and yep. you know, people that you're talking with that have ideas. Yep. But you certainly are the father of interviews, Carl. Thank you. <laughs> Let me ask you another question. You've done a number of interviews around our Indigenous people. Tell us about that, and they're just so inspiring. I mean, it just I'm so glad that you included all of us in yeah. your recordings when you did Faith Runs Deep. Yeah, I mean, it's a, an interesting thing because one of the, again, in the earlier I was saying, you know, when we talk about how how the church has failed, one of the things they often talk about is how the church has failed the Indigenous. Now, mostly that's around the stolen generation. The church didn't steal children. What happened was the government did, and it was actually a Labor government that started this awful policy, and that you could be taken from your family, not because not because you've done anything wrong as parents. Uh, the simple fact that you were Indigenous meant that you could be taken. But the place that most of them put kids were in religious institutions, and that's the negative piece. And that has sort of tainted how we think about the church's interaction with Indigenous people. But as as Robert Kenny, who's a, a academic from La Trobe University, who's written a book called The Lamb Enters the Dreaming, and has done a lot of thinking about missionary work in the earliest years in Australia. He's not a Christian. He's a, an academic in La Trobe University. We asked him to be a, on this series. He didn't really want to be. I can understand why, given that it's a Christian series, which we hope will have some high profile. But one of the things that he said that uh, Roy Williams quotes him on is if you look in the first 50 years, so we he, he, going back to what I was saying, we, we tend to have this view that the church has not been positive. And his point is, in the first 50 years and a little bit beyond that, it was very hard to find anybody that saw or believed in a future of the indigenous people of this nation. They just didn't exist. And he said the Enlightenment people didn't, the secular leaders didn't, the government didn't. He said the only people, the only people that actually cared were dogged Christians. And they were mostly dogged Christian missionaries. And there's just some 
beautiful stories about people who gave themselves to the indigenous of this nation because they believed, in quoting John Harris, who called his book One Blood, and that actually comes out of Acts chapter 17, where Paul talks about us being all one blood, a very kind of an older translation. And the earliest Christian missionaries believed that the indigenous people and white settlers, colonizers, were of the one blood. So we can't just let them die in the trees. We need to care for them. And so you have a story that we tell, and this is the opening piece in that this episode. There's a story of John Gribble, who's just become, uh, uh, I'm just a massive fan of John Gribble. I mean, what a hero, who was working in Western New South Wales as a congregational minister, saw Indigenous people dying under trees, and thought, I can't let this happen. So it starts this thing called Warren Gezda. It's a combination of an Indigenous word and a, a, a Hebrew word, just near Darlington Point on the, the Murren Binji. It's amazing, you know, it's, it's basically falling down. There's only one building left that, that I do a piece to camera in front of and one strong storm, Tina, and that building's not going to be with us anymore. Um, and and yet this is a place where a guy basically went there and gave these people an opportunity. And he would go back by train to Sydney because he had no means and he would beg for money to keep this open. He had to basically bat off settlers who wanted to take the land off him. And all he wanted to do was give people hope, education, safety, and a future. He spent a lot of his time, it's hard to get your head around this, a lot of his time burying people there. There's a little graveyard. It's You can't really see the graves because it's just totally overgrown. It's a total mess. But there's some really small plots there, Tina. And how do you be helping these people and then ending them up wrapping in cloths and putting them in a hole in the ground? Because you love them and you want to give them a future. You give yourself to these people. Like, that's that's just so inspiring. And there are people like Lancelot Threkeld, who, who was a missionary that was just visiting Australia. He was, he was, I think he was coming out of Hawaii. He, he arrived here, and he's like, why isn't anybody caring for the Indigenous people? And he went up to Lake Macquarie, just around Newcastle, and he just started to serve that community with a guy called Biraban. He started to translate the Bible. And he talks about the fact that, you know, at the end of his, towards the end of his time, he's like, you know, when I started, there were hundreds, and then there were fifties, then there were dozens, and I think by the time I finish translating this Bible, there'll be nobody left. Now, he had a fight to keep doing that. Nobody particularly wanted to support him, and yet, if you study Indigenous language today, if you go anywhere in an, an institution and study Indigenous language today, guess whose work you'll be looking at? Birabans and Lancelot Threkeld. So these are the people, these are the champions of the faith. Uh, these are the people that led the church in impacting the Indigenous people of our nation, and we should keep telling their stories. Yeah, absolutely, and I loved the episode around talking with Riverbank Frank, which oh, yeah. I talked to you about a year ago. But look, what I'm going to do is I'm going to drop all the links yep. to Faith Runs Deep and Olive Tree Media in Australia. I just want to encourage anybody and everybody that listens to this episode to actually get a hold of this resource, read the stories, understand the stories yourself as a Christian believer, but then read them with the excitement of how you can actually share and engage with people around you that don't know Jesus and start to tell some of these stories. It's absolutely fascinating how faith runs so deep in our nation and we very much 
are who we are today because of the Christian influence and what God has done. So, Carl, thank you so much for your time. Enjoy uh, continuing to drive the ute. (laughs) It's a tough job, but someone's got to do it. (laughs) Thank you so much. That was awesome. Great to be with you, Tina. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Win-Win Evangelism podcast today. If this was helpful for you, please share it with others so they can learn also. If you, your small group or your church would like to upskill more in personal evangelism, learn how it can be easy, natural and not forced, why don't you check out our online free sample course on missionwithgod.com forward slash free sample. I trust that our podcast and our online personal evangelism course can be a blessing to you. Thanks for listening and see you next time.